Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Welcome to episode 162 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Steve Pander. And welcome to our Vancouver Whitecaps end of season special. Yeah, it definitely seems like that at this point. Yeah, a very disappointing 2-1 home defeat to, to San Jose tonight. Making it three straight losses now for the Whitecaps. Two not exactly unexpected down in Dallas and Colorado. But if you want to make the playoffs in this league, you have to win your home games. And that is now 19 points dropped at home for the Whitecaps this year. Falling down the table faster than Eric Hurtado can miss a chance. No, or Darren Maddox. Name him. Name anybody on the team today. Yeah, anyone that can miss a chance. (laughs) That was pretty woeful tonight, Steve. You've got to admit. No, it is uh, um, disappointing, especially coming off three road games. You think they'd be up to play at home? Um, it was a pretty decent crowd too for eight o'clock Friday night game. Yeah, um, it, was like, it was a sellout. Yeah, I so, was actually quite surprised because the, the time that we've done our post game stuff, we're, we're still at BC Place. We're recording this. It's half past midnight just now. Yeah, we're flagging, but we just want to get a few things off our chest. Yeah. But the, the, the funny thing is about, like you say, in the crowd, uh, it, there's still people coming in late, even though it was 8 o'clock. Yeah. I was walking around on the concourse, and I saw, saw people coming in at halftime. So it's, there's still people coming in late, no matter what time you start the game. They were actually probably the, the ones with the best idea, because yeah. that was a terrible first, first half. First half was horrible, yeah. But what annoyed me most tonight, and Carol Robinson denied this afterwards, but for me... He has to. Yeah. I mean, he, he's always going to defend his players which is on our AFTN bingo card, so I hope you scored that one off. But I, I put it to him that San Jose were the only team that was playing with a fire in their belly, a passion, and just some buzz tonight. And he, he disagreed with that. He felt his team did play with passion. He doesn't like it when you knock the passion off his players, but it was really hard to see any passion, especially in that first half. San Jose were up for it from kickoff. They nearly took the lead earlier when they, they crashed the header off the bar. And then another defensive howler let them take in the lead 14 minutes in, and San Jose were living in America. Yeah, and uh, basically um, it was the Ousted uh, issue. Like, I don't know if he crossed the line. Obviously, there's no. He did, play. he did. Uh, but, I mean, uh, the, the corner came in, and it started before it even got to Ousted. Yeah, it was a free header. La- Laba allowed <laughs> Quincy to get a free header. 
we feel we ducked. Some folk were saying to us that there was, there was a push. There was a slight nudge. Yeah. Not enough for Labbit to go. He has to jump for that. Yeah. He has to make an effort to either jump or try and put off Americua. Exactly. And Americua had a free header, seven, eight yards out, straight at Ousted. Ousted caught it, and then he fell behind the goal line. There's no question to me. Okay. He fell behind the goal line. Yes, he held on to the ball and then it was poked home afterwards. But that, didn't but that wasn't by Americois, yeah. and Americois is the guy that's got the credit for the goal. Yeah. It was another Eisted blunder, not the first this season. And you don't like knocking the, the guy because it's like he's kept us in so many games, he's saved us so many points. But when you, you've just given a guy a big contract increase like that, you need better. Yeah, you need him to be your, your game changer at that point. Um, and, and keepers, they, they need the keepers to do that kind of stuff to keep players in games, especially when the whole rest of this team is struggling, and when the goalkeeper the rest of this team is, is struggling. struggling. Yeah, and the, when the goalkeepers not making mistakes too, then it's just basically over at that point. And it was over by the hour mark. I mean, yeah, that, it didn't. They, they showed a little bit going into the second half, like they got no shots on well, goal yeah, in the I mean, first it, half. I would mean, have hoped so. I would mean, have hoped that Robo had kind of given them a giant kick up the ass. Yeah, so they showed a little bit, but the 60th minute goal where uh, 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 I think it was Quintero um, basically made a run through the mid- midfield and made the pass to Dawkins. Laba was nowhere to be found. Laba had a horrible game in general, but yeah. we'll come to that. Yeah, and, and basically got it to Dawkins. He made a couple moves. I don't think it makes a difference whether Parker was right back or center back at that no. time because he was in the box. Uh, you can't actually and fault Parker for that one. It, for me, that one fell down on Laba. Just it's basically the midfield, the yeah. defensive midfield well, missing. Because... Uh, Waston basically was the holding midfielder, even though he's supposed to be center back because yeah. he, was, he was covering the run. I mean, Waston had to play left back at some, at one point, at some point yeah. tonight as well. Yeah. It's like the defensive shape, in fact, the, the shape of the whole team it was just horrendous. It was just non existent. Barnes, like, Barnes, Barnes was, was playing like, on a winger, he's in the middle half the time, yeah. and it's like you just had no idea what was going and on. It, you it, looked out there, and it was just like. And every time he could come in the middle, it basically exposed De Young on the left. Yeah. De Young's not having a great. Because he's kind of. He's not having a great uh, start to his Whitecaps. I don't know no. how long it's going to last for, but he's not having a start, good start yet. No, I mean, it, it was 2 0 Houston on the hour mark. You just, there was no way they were getting back into it. No, no. way that you even felt they were going to get a point out of it by that point. Mosquito gets a late consolation. Please for him. He, de- he deserves some reward for his effort. He's, he's done well, but I still, I still don't think he performs the way that we need him to perform when he starts. Folk are clamouring for him to start because he's done well as a sub, and then when he does start, I just don't think he cuts it. But who did cut it tonight? Yeah, but Mosquito was the name man of the match because he got that late goal. Yeah, um, but it wasn't really a lot to pick and, from and the funny, me, th- The funny thing was, is normally the Whitecaps tweet out a, a poll and ask for the, out of the three players. They didn't even ask. They asked for people to suggest somebody as man of the player. And I think they just essentially gave it to him because he yeah. scored that goal. It's like, we don't know who to suggest. Just come up with some. Although Robbo did mention Mosquito too, that he yep. played well. The only spark the Whitecaps had was when Alfonso Davies and Blas Perez came on. Yeah. They, they immediately added something to the attack. And if you're relying on a 15-year-old for the second straight game to add a spark to your team, and a 36-year-old, yeah. there is something seriously, seriously wrong with your team. And Robbo said afterwards that there will be personnel changes. But the, the one thing I would say is, you look at the team that he put out there tonight, that was the strongest available lineup that I he would, could have put out. I would agree, yeah. With Harvey being injured and, and Airden Smith struggling at right back. Yeah, but, well, I would I would say that uh, the two players missing with Manny and De Young. Yeah. Uh, Man, sorry, Manny and Harvey. Those yeah. are the two guys missing. Other than that, 
everybody was there the first choice, it seems like. Yeah. I mean, so you can't fault him for that. And Robo said afterwards, he basically... All he can control is the players that he puts out there. And then once they take the pitch, it's up to them to perform. And we don't want to look back too much in the last two games because they've been woeful. We don't really want to go over it. But that road trip down south, horrible conditions, heat, humidity, altitude, we know all that. But there is just simply nothing coming from these players. And they need to step up. That's what was all said during the week. The players have to step up, and they're just not stepping up. No, no one is stepping up. Nobody is. No, uh, I would, although I would say Watson really was pushing the ball forward when he got into left back. Everybody was oohed out by him. Um, but going into that road trip, we only expected them to get a point. Yeah, and they got that point. Yeah, they got what we expected. Yeah. But even even with it was, that, it, it was, was the, the effort. Disappointing. It was yeah. the effort basically that they didn't show anything that they like they really wanted any more points. I'm just not seeing a fire in the White Cats belly just now from from most of the team, most of the the regular starters. For me, right now, every single player in this squad, apart from probably someone like Alfonso Davies and probably Tim Parker, but everyone else I feel is playing to be here next season. Exactly, it seems like that. And they are not rising to the occasion. You can't suddenly have a mass exodus of every single player in the squad. No. But they're, they're playing for their contracts. And I think part of it is complacency. Looking at the guys off-season, the guys that got contract extensions or new contracts, David Ousted, delighted. Kendall Waston, delighted. Matty Laba, delighted. That Teixeira. defensive spine. Teixeira, my player of the season in the second half of the season, Fantastic. And, and Morales before the season ended. Yep, and Morales got his contract extension as well. Five key pieces. Five players that performed out their skin last season. Five players who don't suddenly become bad overnight, except they have. Yeah. Every single one of them. And you don't lose talent that quickly. No. It's essentially that they have become, like you say, complacent and they haven't worked to the same level that they did last year. You see it in football clubs around the world. Players get their contract extensions and they, they kind of they ease off a little bit. And I think part of the problem as well is a lot of players come here and they're maybe using the white caps and MLS as initially a stepping stone. They yeah. want to go into bigger to things, so they, they want to use that. But, but then they come to Vancouver and they see what a beautiful city it is and what a great lifestyle it is. And it's a wonderful place to live and it's a great environment and Robbo's really good with them and they love the the teammates and it's the best dressing room we're constantly told blah 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 and then they just switch off and they just don't play the way that we need them to play no i totally agree with that that's what that's what the that's what it seems like at this point and um and i think they need to maybe make some changes and not and stop giving these extensions and uh, like multi-year extensions to players well i, if I know it, if, it, if it's going to keep going like this the Whitecaps aren't keen on doing multi-year deals. Rob yeah. was the one that's been pushing for that to have some squad stability. Yeah. It's possibly come back to bite him in the ass. It seems like it. And you have to look at the players that are not performing are your key guys. Yeah. We had the the best D- players yeah. have to be the best players but in MLS. We had the three DPs. One of them's already gone. Yeah. He wasn't performing. And you've got Matty Laba and Pedro Morales who are not playing like designated players. An article I wrote for, for Goal.com during the week was about difference makers. You look at all these other teams, and it's not just DPs, but it's their, their top players are difference makers. You look at Portland, who had a man sent off and then came back and won 3-0 three, three on, 
on Sunday against Sporting Kansas City. Yeah. Addy gets a goal, Valeri gets a goal, two difference makers. Nagby gets an assist, a difference maker. Sporting Kansas City, when they're playing, Dom Dwyer, a difference maker. Yeah. You look at the top four goal scorers, I think it is in MLS right now, all designated players. Or I think it's the top three goal scorers are designated players and the top four assist makers, or, or vice versa. One They're the all designated but players. But essentially, those players are, yeah. are stepping up to their teams. And we do have that in Vancouver. Morales is leading the team, six goals and six assists. That is nowhere near enough. And he can't do it all on his own. No. He needs other players to step up and help him. The best player for the last couple of weeks has been Christian Belanius. And even he's, like, during a game... A level of brilliance, a level Fades of... Yeah, well, there faces in and out. In this game, he had that one chance where it was like a four-on-two break. Oh, and he hor- had... Horrible. He, he was on the wide right side, and he had three teammates in an onside position in the middle of the pitch where if he had just centered it, one of them would, it was just a tap, and who knows if they would have made it or not, but they, they had a better chance than what Bologna's had. His shot basically dribbled towards Bingham, and nothing yeah. happened of that. That was a chance to get back into the game. He, for me, was he had pass marks in the first half up until that point. Then after that, none of them had pass marks. Yeah. Although a lot of folk on Twitter were saying that they felt Pedro Morales had a good game. I don't think so. I don't Cause, either. Because if there's very little chances created, he's your playmaker. Yeah. He's your, like you said, difference maker. If there's no chances created, he's the problem. Masato Kuro disappeared. Oh, one of the problems. Because he wasn't getting service. But yeah. it's like, he didn't even know he was on the pitch. Well, he had that one chance in the second half where he didn't shoot quick enough. I don't know if he was going to get blocked, but he just kept delaying and delaying and then nothing happened to that either. And if we look at the additions in this transfer window, Alfonso Davies aside, actually, let's look at Alfonso. The last two games, he's been a bright spark. And I feel that Robo wants to start him, but he's kind of weighing up whether it's too much pressure to put on a young kid, especially when you're going for... Basically, every point just now is a must-win. Yeah, basically. He he said after the game, and we'll come with points totals in a minute, that they're looking for maybe five, six, seven wins from the remaining nine games. That's a lot of pressure to put on a 15-year-old. I've spoken to Alfonso four times this year. He's very mature for his age, it's kind of water off a duck's back to him, and I feel that it wouldn't get to him too much. Do you start Davies next week in Sporting KC? Which, for now, is a, it's a must-win game. I think there might be an opportunity to do that because he will, as long as they don't announce it too quick early in the week um, to put more pressure on him um, and keep it quiet as much as possible. And the thing is, when you're starting on the road, maybe there's less pressure because the fans aren't... Exp- the, the, most, most of the Sporting Kansas City fans are not going to know he's a 15-year-old. Um, Do you mean everyone doesn't by this point? No, no, well, I don't think they'll notice it as much if, if unless somebody brings it up or something like that. So I don't think they'll notice it as much, and there might be less pressure to firm to start on the road. So if you look at the other new additions in, in this summer transfer window, I mean, Fabian Espindola, I think, has been the best of all the additions so far. Brought in the most money. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he... he He's also been the player that's had the least amount of bad games so far, I think. For sure. So, I mean, for me, Fabian is the player of the second part of the season so far. But we brought in the two Canadians, David Edgar and Marcel de Jong. I think it's safe to say they're both struggling in MLS right now. Yeah, Marcel de Jong, obviously, he, I don't know how much time he got playing with uh, Ottawa uh, leading up to come, showing up here, uh, if he had time off or anything like that. But um, certainly doesn't look like he... But. He had much time playing with him. Yeah, but the Edgar one, I, I still give him a little bit of a pass because of the fact that I it's almost well. like preseason for him right now. And Robo, still. 
I mean, Rob will basically touched on that during the week and said it's needs must right now. Yeah. He needs he brought he said he brought Edgar in to as a shock to the team to yeah. show that no one's position is safe. Yeah. But when the player you bring in to be the guy that's gonna like ruffle them up, when he's not playing well himself, it's kinda hard to, to have any impact from that. Yeah. And he stunk down in Colorado last week. Better tonight I don't think he's ever played probably at that kind no. of altitude. But bit better tonight, yeah. it's not saying much, but he certainly wasn't the worst player out there and he will come good. I'm a fan of Edgar. Out of the two Canadians, I think that's the best addition by far. And he's a guy that you know they're going to kind of maybe build a defence around for, for next season. Marcel de Jong, though. Yeah. Jordan Harvey has... He's come had, back. He's been, the, yeah, he's been the most consistent player for, for the whole season. Yeah. Injury at the worst possible time. He's going to be out still for another good few weeks. And de Jong, he's struggling. Yeah, and got, the thing is, he's going off up today, and and he's going up against a form. If he still starts, if he's going up against a former team that he played for, they yeah. might know where's how to exploit him too. So that's going to be difficult to see. Right, right now, I would just get Brett Levis a contract, pitch him in at left back. You've nothing to lose. So I mean, those guys need to step it up, and we've seen Edgar twice. We've seen Giles Barnes twice now. I mean, I was excited by that signing, but from his two performances so far. Not doing the best. No, I think he's still. Well, today he was out of position. Like he's playing left wing. Well, something that he didn't is how he's play. been played like yeah. all season. But but he doesn't want to play that from what we no, hear. No, but so. he did want to play that game tonight because oh. he felt that he had the taking of Cato. He's come but, up against him a couple of but times. But he kept slipping towards yeah, the middle, <laughs> and he felt that he had he had the better of him. So he wanted to play on left wing, and it just didn't work for him. Yeah, and we'll play a little bit of audio now. Giles Barnes, just before the Colorado game last week, did a conference call with a couple of reporters. Uh, myself, Mark Weber, Jim Morris from Canadian Press, Harjit Jahal and Jorge Mendoza. So let, let's just play a bit of Giles Barnes' audio now. Very upbeat guy, very positive, really wanting to, to bring the best to Vancouver. So, so let's hear what Barnes said he hopes to, to offer Vancouver down the stretch. game for for quite a long time now I'm pretty sure it takes a lot to surprise you but after signing a new contract with Houston being made club captain were you shocked that that they wanted to to move you on um you know I try not to have anything surprising in football you know Um, I've been 
professional since 2005, so, so I've had a long time in the game. Um, you just have to get on with it, you know. Football's a, football's a funny game. Um, it's a lot of ups and a lot of downs, and you've just got to ride with it, um, you know, and that's what I'm doing. Um, I'm very grateful and very excited for the, for the new chapter ahead of me, though. And Robbo mentioned that he, he'd tried to get you two times before. But were you aware of, of his interest in you? And uh, like, were you aware that the White Caps were, were keen to bring you here? Uh, I may have heard a few whispers, yes. <laughs> um, you know, and obviously uh, I've known Robert for a, a while as well. Um, so when I, I knew that I was coming here, um, it was good to be with a familiar face also. We did see the one report out there that, um, that you, you were at, there was some interest, whether it was on your side or Owen's side, of you following into England. Um, can you comment on that? And, uh, how does that relate to your how you kind of approach the next six to eighteen months here? Do you see this just as a, a, a short term stay with a, a discussion to follow in the off season, or do you think you're here for the long? Uh, I'm here to I'm here for as long as Vancouver want me. You know, um, yes, there was interest in Blackburn. Uh, there was a, as far as I know, the deal was really close to, to getting done. For whatever reason, it didn't happen. Um, you know, but I'm very, very happy and very excited. I get to work with a manager like Robbo and come to a great team like the Whitecaps. Um, so, you know, my uh, my first thing is to get us firmly and safely into the playoffs and then lift the trophy with the Whitecaps. And from what you've seen of them, uh, their play so far this year, what, what do you kind of make of this team and what do you see that needs to, to improve down the stretch here? You know, I think, they've got, uh, I think we've got a lot of great players. Um, We've got a lot of players that are good with the ball, um, a lot of young players with a lot of energy. Um, and, you know, I think, and hopefully I'll be able to provide that. It's just that finishing touch, um, those extra goals that need to be done. Um, and, you know, to, to try and be a match winner as well as a great teammate. I just got a good question. Uh, you're a very versatile player. Uh, you can play in different positions. Uh, is there a, a, a position that you prefer to play on the pitch? And, and what is... Uh, have you had any conversations with Carl Robinson about so like football? Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, you know, my preferred position is to be central, whether it's as a as a nine or as a ten. Um, you know, recently, kind of over the last year, I've kind of um, played wide in a four-three-three or a four-five-one, whichever way you want to you want to call it. Um, and you know, me and Carl have spoken about certain things and what he expects of me. Um, and I'm sure you'll find out within the next few weeks what position I'm going to fit in with the team. Uh, were you tempted to try and uh, sneak into the lineup in Dallas, and did you fully expect to uh, be in the eleven in, uh, in in Denver? Uh, you know, as soon as I, as soon as I knew that I was coming, uh, me and Carl had a conversation. Um, he knew that I wanted to play. Um, you know, I think he would have liked me to have played some part in it, but it just made sense for me to just you know get some minutes with the team in, in practice um, before we went out there. And you know, come Saturday, uh, come Saturday, I'll be willing to play whichever part Carl wants me to play in. I noticed you scored 26 of your 31 goals at CBA Compass Stadium in Houston. What are your thoughts on playing in Vancouver and the stadium and playing in road, road, road venues and trying to get goals in there? Because a lot of your success has come in Houston. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, I can't wait to score my first goal in front of the fans. Um, it's going to be a special moment and something I'm looking forward to. Um, but, you know... Coming to the team, my job is to score and create goals. Um, so I'll be looking to do that at any any venue and any place that's necessary. Just one final quick one from from me, Giles. 
When did you become aware that, that this deal was coming through? Because it was announced very late on Saturday. When when did you find out about it? Um, pretty late as well, to be honest. Um, you know, I, uh, I'd obviously heard whispers about me going over to, to Blackburn. Um, so I kind of knew that I was I was on the way out either either way. And then, you know, I ended up coming to Vancouver, which I'm really, really excited about. Um, the way that they play, the style of playing, obviously, to work under a manager like Robbo. It's, um, it's exciting times ahead. So Giles Barnes there, talking about how he's hoping to lift trophies with the Whitecaps this season. Uh, I think the best hope he <laughs> might have is the Cascadia Cup. Yeah, that's the looks like the only chance right now at this point. Yeah, but I mean, I, Barnes is a great player, and I think I, something has to change. Whether it's the personnel or the formation, Robbo always says he doesn't get caught too much up in formation. Four two three one is killing us just now. Yeah. Especially the wrong personnel yeah. for the... For but the other thing as well is, you take away the two-man defensive shield, is the defence going to get even worse than it is just now? Yeah. And part of the problem is Matty Laba. Right now, I would drop Laba out of the team. For me, the best player for the Whitecaps in the last couple of weeks, consistently, is Andrew Jacobson. And he should he, be starting. Yeah, he's not the most exciting guy. But the thing is, he's going to stay in that middle in front of the yeah. thing, even though he might be the only guy there. Morales is not there all the time. Laba's not there all the time. So they're exposed anyways. Yep. So maybe putting a Jacobson in a one-man shield will be more effective than the, these guys in two. I, I would go 4-1-3-2 right yeah, now and I have Barnes and, for me, Perez starting up front. I'd like to see how that partnership would work. Have the Kudo coming off the bench because Kudo seems to struggle on the road as well. Sure. So it's like get a guy, a veteran like Perez. I know he's old, but he's got, he's got wiliness about him. He can draw fouls, he can draw penalties, he can draw settings off. He knows how to win, he knows how to score in MLS. So does Barnes. Although as Barnes noted there, a great question by Har, most of Barnes's goals in MLS have come in Houston. Yeah. He doesn't score anywhere else. Okay. Yeah, that That's would be difficult. A bit of a worry when he's playing for Vancouver and we're not playing Houston anymore this well, season. Well, maybe you might get used to being in Vancouver. Uh, but the, uh, and then the thing is, is if you play two men up front, like a Perez, like a Barnes, and Morales, you, and that will protect Morales a little bit more because they'll be concerned with those two guys up front. Yeah. So he won't get as much, and he might get more freedom playing in behind those guys, and he won't have to worry about playing too defensive. Next, next week in Casey, I'd have Morales behind those two guys in a 4-1-3-2. With Davies on one side? I, I'd start and Davies. And Bolaños on the other. And Bolaños on the other. Yeah. And it's like Jacobson, and then I want to see Parker and Edgar as the centre-backs. Drop Kendall for a game. Play him in the CCL. Yeah. See, that's coming up on Tuesday anyways. Yeah, two games have got KC. We'll come at that in a sec. I want Aird back and at right back. Yeah. And you we'll have to, to go with De Jong yeah. unless Harvey can make a miraculous recovery. But, I mean, that's what it needs to be. That He needs to kind of roll the dice and go a little bit out of the box. Surprise KC. It's a tough place to go and get anything. One point would have been great if we'd got the win tonight. We really, really need three now. Robo has targeted... 45 to 48 points to get in the playoffs I think it might still be 50 but if we say 48 you're looking for 6 wins 18 points 5 wins 3 draws whatever it works out at 
it's a hell of a lot that they need to do. I just can't. When you look at the games that's coming up, two games against Seattle, who are on a tear. Game against Portland, who we always struggle when we play Portland here. And we've got a trip down to San Jose, who's now got their fire in the belly. Realistically, the season comes down to whether they can get a win in Sporting KC and something from LA. And it's looking unlikely. Do you put all your eggs in the one basket now and go for CCL success? Yeah, that was asked to Robbo and yeah. he said he's going to prioritise however one game at yeah, a time. I, I, I think if they I lose to KC... Bingo too, right? Yeah, if they lose to KC in the league, it's absolutely ridiculous. Next Saturday they play in KC in the league. Then both teams fly here to play here on the Tuesday. Which, which at least doesn't give an advantage to either team. No. So the, that's a positive. But it just seems ridiculous. I don't know why you would do that. Yeah. So we also uh, we, we did a little poll after the game just to get an idea of um, yeah. where everybody feels the team is. Lewandowski's coming here? No, not that poll. Oh. <laughs> Look, I'd love that. I'd I thought you were going to mention stripper poll. No. Um, but break, uh, break the bank, bring the stripper here. Yeah, okay. So we, we put up this poll right after the game to get a gauge where fans think the problem lies with the Whitecaps. We got 120 votes coming in. 23% go to tactics. 23% lack of talent, which I don't know about that because of the fact that they did so well last year. It's kind of the, ironic. Like After Spindola signed and then got transferred, but after he signed, Robo said, he was asked the question, is this the best squad you've had here in your time here? Yeah. And I was like, yep. Yeah. Well, Spindola left. And so ever since that, they haven't won a game. Yeah. And then 13% say they're unable to execute Robo's plan. I couldn't put the whole thing in there, but I mean, that's what I meant. And 13% said that. But then 41 says, 41% said something deeper. I put that in there. Is there something internally wrong with the white caps? Is there some issue with the t- like, like how you were saying complacency? Yeah, and there or is. Something like that. There's complacency. There's a front office that will not spend money needed to bring in difference makers. There's, there's a whole host of things, which we'll go into. We haven't done a round table this season. We should have one soon and dig into that. I know a few of the guys will love to go into that. Yeah. An option that we couldn't put because we could only have four was all of the above. And, and, then, and, uh, and then I'm going to read out some tweets quickly. Uh, that Rituro guy says, something doesn't pass the eyeball test with the attack. There's a missing piece somewhere. Also on target shots, please. At KSTW123, it's almost like the team doesn't like playing with this setup. Uh, Mark Weber uh, said this truly needs an all of the above option, which was also um, said by at Mudcree at Finn. You're great at reading, aren't you? At Finn Chaser <laughs> seventy three, midfield execution is unacceptable. Passes are horrific. Defense plays too tight. An umbrella back line would help. I think uh, um, there needs to be more execution in the defence. Yeah. I won't say which players need executed, <laughs> but it's like there, there's a few out there. Ad Hoshan uh, says, agree, Mark. Bobby and Robo needs to go. I don't know if that's what Mark meant by when he said all of the above. Paulo Sego says, a fundamental lack of chemistry and the quite, frankly, worrying inability of reading each other's movements that comes with it. At Mike Barber 13, giving away British shirt to TFCs to save a few bucks. Which I th- uh, I still agree with. I yeah. don't. I don't. I don't. Think, I actually I don't spoke know. to with Rob about that during the week, and it's like he said he wouldn't do anything differently. Because yeah. you're talking about a lot of bucks. It was like eighty thousand, two sixties getting in Toronto. At uh, Jeff underscore CCC, all of the above, and at Kenapoli, lack of confidence, questionable work ethic, which is something you uh, yeah. talked about. And uh, a good point there about the fact that 
players just can't seem to read where the passes are going to go. Yeah. So you've got flair players like Morales, yeah. who knows where he wants to play a pass, but the, and there's there. no one there. Or yeah. you've got guys like Perez who's making a run expecting a pass, and, and then you've got someone received. that's not making the pass. Exactly. It, there's deep-seated problems in this club, and it's going to be an interesting off-season, especially if Stoke when the Whitecaps don't make the playoffs. Robbo was asked during the week, is this his toughest spell as manager here? And he said, honestly, no. The toughest spell as manager was when he first took over because he looked at the squad and he knew it wasn't good enough. You look at the squad now and on paper, that squad is good enough. Why are they not playing together as a team? Major question. Interesting as well, in past seasons, there's been a lot of talk about great locker room harmony. Haven't heard that this year. Yeah, not as much. Well, that happens when you keep losing games. I mean, winning, winning is the best thing cure for it to yeah confidence and mood it must be just so low in that locker room just yeah. now and Robo is defending the players he said he will always do that I'm hoping that behind the scenes he's just ripping them a new one because they need that they need or figuring what needs to be done yeah. in the off season and interestingly a lot of people maybe didn't see this but after the game tonight and I didn't ask Robo this afterwards and I should have he had a meeting with the players on the pitch and I haven't seen him do that before. Yeah. And I don't know if that was to make a point to the fans or what it was, but that was very unusual and that's something I want to explore next week with him. For sure. So, KC's coming up, as we said, on Saturday and then our next home game is CCL against KC and it'll be interesting to see what lineup they put out for that and whether they are going to target that as being their best chance like, if they can get to the quarterfinals of the CCL and miss the playoffs... It's kind of an it, even up it, it kind of thing. It kind of is yeah. a, a good thing if they then because make they a will, big push for that. Because they will get money for that that run, yeah. too. Because they yeah. will get additional money for that. So that, that's positive. And two guys that played in that first game at the win over Central FC in Trinidad and Tobago, two USL guys, Spencer Ritchie in goal, Brett Levis at left back, both put in fantastic shifts. I expect to see both of them again playing against KC here in the CCL. Both those guys, I'm 100% confident they will be on the MLS roster next season. For sure next season. No, maybe no maybe even this yeah, year. Yeah, as I said, of... it's like I'd, I'd give Brett a contract now and just yeah. get him in at left back. But some of you will have read this on AFTN, but we'll play the full interview just now. I had a chance to, to speak with Spence and Brett after they came back from, from playing in Central FC. So let's hear from the guys now. Finish the show on a bit of an upbeat with two of the promising guys that's coming through the USL team. When did you find out you were going to be involved in that game? Today we played in Colorado. Um, I, I heard not not rumors, but um, obviously after that Crystal Palace game, you know we, yeah. uh, you know I heard that me and, and maybe a few other players may be involved down the line in the in the CCL game. So I was obviously looking forward to it, but I, I didn't actually find out until I want to say the Wednesday before we flew to Colorado. Yeah, so found out right before we were kind of. Um, Right before, I guess we had to pack up and stuff just to know to bring a bit of extra stuff to go to Trinidad. Wow, so that's exciting for you. What was it like for you guys being down there? Have either of you played outside of North America before? 
Um, actually, yeah, I, um, I spent um, a few years down in uh, U.S. Soccer has a residency system for the U seven under seventeens. So I uh, I actually spent about two and a half years there, um, where we traveled. I mean, all all over the world. So I played numerous games down in Central America. So it's quite a a similar um, you know stadium with the track, um, a different type of grass than we're used to up here. A bit more spongy. Yeah. Ball sits uh, along top of it a bit more. Um, so that's actually something that I was had some experience with in the past. Not that I've played. Uh, um, you know, on that kind of surface in a while, but um, I thought it, it definitely helped maybe maybe a bit more comfortable. Yeah. So. What about you? I mean, I know like CIS, you wouldn't really have played. Yeah, I'd be almost the complete opposite of Spencer. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't really like been involved in the in the na- at the national level and, and traveling around the world and stuff. Obviously, you know, with CIS, I traveled around Canada and and with the uh, you know provincial team and then last year with the USL, I traveled throughout the states and stuff. But I, I've never been as far south as Trinidad, so it was quite a new experience for me and you know I was you know when we walked out on the on the pitch before the game I, w- I was pretty shocked you know half of it was weeds and half was grass and I you know I, I didn't really most <laughs> of these guys said they stream, yeah. <laughs> yeah most of these guys said they knew that it would be like that or they've experienced something like that before but I I have not so it was a little bit of a shock to me but I feel like I adjusted f- fairly quickly and and it was a great experience I mean how, how did you find the, the whole experience down there it's it partially makes you realize how fortunate you are for the facilities and um, the services that you play on um, in North America. The pitch actually ended up playing all right, especially when it had a bit of dew on it. Um, But, um, you know, obviously Trinidad is not the most developed nation. Um, So I think, you know, for some guys, um, you know, it was quite an eye-opening experience that, you know, you get to realize how fortunate you are um, how well, you know, the Whitecaps treat us and, um, just, you know, the fact that we get to, you know, play at some of the train at some of the best facilities. Yeah. So it's quite, quite awesome. Now, I know the team that was out there, you've, you're both used to the guys cause you've played a lot of USL games with them. You had that Crystal Palace experience, but is it weird coming into a team where there's like 11 changes to, to what was out in the MLS game at the weekend? Yeah, it was somewhat of a of, of a difference, but a lot of those guys are, um, well, well, a few of them, Edgar and and, and Parr, obviously quite uh, veteran pros, so they yeah. they kind of help you along. You know, it's not like you're thrown into this environment where if you make a mistake or you uh, screw up, they're gonna get on you. They're you know they're they're there to help you out, and we're all in the same boat. We're all playing on the same field, so they're you know they're, they're really good at making you feel like you've you, you belong to the team and you're not just kind of thrown into that atmosphere. So. And having those guys in front of you, like Edgar and Pat, did that help calm your nerves? Or did, did you have nerves? Um, yeah, maybe a little bit. Um, I think also, I mean, both Brett and I have been here for over, you know, you, because of how, you know, one of the, the nice things about having a USL team in the same location is you do get a, you know, there are players that go up and down, so we are quite used to playing with, you know, one back four yeah. in one USL game and the next weekend maybe it works out with the first team where they can loan players down and it's an entirely new back four um, so it's something that um, I've had to you know deal with as a goalkeeper and it's something um, maybe it was a bit more challenging at first but you know the more times it happens to you and, and they're all good players you know at the end of the day so it's more of a communication aspect and um, just trying to feel each other out but it definitely helps having two guys like Edgar Pa that have 
been in the game for quite a long time and played at the highest level so um, definitely makes your life easier and the new rule this year that you can have the four call-ups to the first team you've had two now which means you can't play the whole campaign which to me is crazy that you can only have four call-ups and the friendly counts as one of them yeah you, you've still got that like three games to go I mean did I wrote a piece that went up last night just about I think the rule's great but it needs to be better you need to have more yeah. opportunities to do stuff yeah. how, how do you feel about about just the rule in general obviously it gives you a chance that yeah. if we didn't have the Champions League you might not get this experience yeah like like you said it, it's great that they've you know done something different than they had than they had last year where we couldn't even play in, in CCL games yeah. um, so you know it's a start right like, yeah. they're not going to be able to completely overhaul it so um, obviously, I feel like the model they're trying to reach eventually is going to be the European model, like like you you said in the, yeah. in the article. You know, where players can get signed at whatever age, and and they can play at what a, whatever age group that they're, you know, developing through, or depending on how how well they're doing, they can get bumped up, and it's not a new contract, or they don't need to terminate a contract, and uh, it, it's just it's a good. You, you see how it develops there, and how players, you know, you, the few players that are so young that make it to that EPL stage and stuff, it's because they haven't had to. Um, I feel like deal with a lot of the business side of things and, and contracts because they have such a flowing system, um, like a sort of a pyramid system. So I think eventually it'll get there. But like I said, it's it's a start. At least we get four games instead of zero, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, um, I mean, similar speaking, I think that they've, you know, in the past couple of years, just with MLS developing, you know, their second tier USL team has been a massive improvement for development, I think just this past year they made the addition that you can play the four games um you know if it was you know my guess i would assume that you know a few years down the line i think that that's the ideal goal um somewhere that you know if you're signed to a contract within the club you can play uh at any level you can throw an academy kid out there if he's on a hot streak you know so be it that's sometimes what those european clubs do and the kid rises to the occasion and next thing you know he's a superstar so um, you know, it's quite fortunate. You know, hopefully we'll finish well in the MLS season and, and uh, potentially qualify for some more competitions down the road. But in the meantime, it's nice to have the uh, group stage games that we are guaranteed this year. Um, so uh, hopefully, hopefully that'll continue. Like looking ahead, obviously you're hoping that, that this is going to get like MLS contracts or something down the line. Has there been any talk, or are you just told to like go out, do your best, and just see what happens? It's more so, I mean, at least for me, you know, last year was my first year as a pro, so there yeah. was there was a ton and ton of up and downs, and um, you know, this year my my main goal was to just you know focus on soccer and make sure I enjoy it and, yeah. and try not to think about the business side of things, the contracts, you know, what if, you know, all, all that sort of thing, and just focus on my soccer. So I'm gonna continue doing that, and you know, obviously I I hope to maybe push on at some point, and and I hope to be able to maybe play in another. Um, Champions League game, and if I don't, I don't. But you know, all I can control and focus on is yeah. my, my football, so that's what I'm going to continue doing. I, like, like for yourself as well, because we thought you were going to get one preseason, and then <laughs> Paolo comes back from nowhere. I mean, how tough was that for you, and how hard has it been for you to kind of keep focused this year? Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, similar to Brett, I'm you know relatively new to the professional game. It's only my second year in. Um, it was obviously disappointing. Um, it was something that you know I was working towards. I've been working towards, and uh, thought that was potentially my opportunity, but it didn't work out. Uh, that's kind of how the game works, and um, 
you know, it's it's something you can let it get to you, but at the end of the day, if you do and you start losing your form, um, you know, you're the only one that suffers, right? I mean, the club, uh, you know, if you start to, you know, piss and moan about it and lose your lose your head, um, your performances will suffer, and so will your chances at getting a deal down the line. So, um, you know, it's sometimes that's how the business works, and you know, just try to keep putting stringing good performances together, and uh, hopefully it'll come soon. That's great. Thanks so much. I'll let you guys go and not yeah. cramp up. So Brett Levis and Spencer Ritchie there. So we wanted to end on a little bit of a positive note because the, this is our end of season show. <laughs> um, it's just been woeful. It's We haven't done a lot of podcasts. Part of it's just we've been really busy. Part of it's just getting motivation to talk about this team just now because it, it has been pretty poor. And it's hot. I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you think they're going to make the playoffs, Steve? I'm going to say no. And I'm not saying no because... Um, I'm trying to not support the team, um, like some people. Have I know said folk, that. folk need Why to get need out to of this support? mindset about stop being negative, be positive. Yeah. No, be, be realistic. realistic. <laughs> no, and, and the thing is, I saw a tweet where somebody said that oh, we uh, this benefits the press if we're uh, if the team succeeds because no, we can talk about the team whether they fail or lose. Yeah, they do. it's like it doesn't the press don't even come into this. No, the White Cats get an easy time here. Oh, a lot of clubs do in North America. Yeah, people that complain about folk complaining online on Twitter, in the press, blogs, I, whatever. I, you go and follow a team in England or Scotland that's not doing well, and it's like you'll see how teams react. Italy, France, Germany. Yeah, teams get an easy ride here. I have no problem with it as long as it's constructive. Like, exactly they, if, if and they, realistic. Yeah. It's like don't sugarcoat stuff. Yeah. Don't paper up the cracks. Don't try and have a positive outlook all the time. Because sometimes you can't. And right now, there's not a lot to be positive about with the Whitecaps. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs either. I wouldn't be surprised if they finish ninth. At least they'll be high draft pick. Yeah, they'll be above Houston. Yeah. I don't think they can get as bad as Houston. No. But you, you look at the teams below them just now, and it's like they've got games in hand as well. Yeah. And well, San Jose has form. two games yeah. in hand, and they're above them. It's pretty, pretty, pretty poor. They're down to eighth now. Yeah. Seattle's below them. They've got to play them twice, and they're hitting form. So it's going to be a long, long nine games remaining. The players really need to to step up. We don't want to keep this too long, but we, we had a little look at who we were going to maybe want to keep, who we want to get rid of for next season. We'll do that in one of our next special podcasts. But for me, right now, I'd get rid of half the squad. I'm close to I'm close to ten to twelve players as yep. well. So that's for another time. Until that other time, Steve, let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me online at Whitecapsbeat. And I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff, AFTN, away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. Also the Whitecaps Beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com and Goal Canada. And I'm also the Western Conference reporter for USLsoccer.com. I was going to say at least the USL team are doing well, but they've hit a bit of bad run just now. Still top of the West. Haven't checked today's results, but 
At least they're going to be in the playoffs. No matter what, eight teams go through, they should have a home playoff game. At least we've got that to look forward to. But until next time, thanks for listening, everyone. It's been a bit rushed, it's been a bit noisy. Don't know if you can hear some ticking that's coming from the ceiling. I feel that is the Whitecaps season ticking down. Until next time, take care and mourn the faltering caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. <laughs>